welcome to the Arc Audio Book Club. Kobo Abe's 1962 novel, The Woman in the Dunes, opens in proper folk horror fashion, with an eccentric outsider seeking shelter one evening in a small secluded fishing village. He's directed to a hole in the dunes in which a rotten hut, half consumed by sand, and a titular woman lie in wait for him. By morning, the trap becomes obvious. It is now up to our protagonist to come to terms with this situation and plot an escape. What seems to power much of Abbe's novel is the heady mixture of nihilistic fatalism, emotional dissection, and bodily suffering. The existential problem of sand and the uselessness of fighting it are weighted against the life on the outside. Quote, Small town Sundays, a man taking a snooze under the political columns of a newspaper, enveloped in gun smoke. Canned juices and thermos jugs with magnetized caps, boats for hire, 50 cents an hour, queue up here. Foaming beaches with the leaden scum of dead fish. And then, at the end, a jam-packed trolley rickety with So, fun stuff. Lots to talk about. With me here today to discuss the woman in the dunes are Macon Holt. Hello. Josephine Levinet. Hi. And Emma Agersbrook. Hello. Hi, guys. So, lots to talk about, mainly about sand. <laughs> yes. Mostly sand. Yep. <laughs> Where would you like to start? Um, I think, well, okay, so. <laughs> Was that a really bad way of like it's, beginning a discussion? Where would we like to start? <laughs> very, very tricky. Um, <laughs> but I think we've already started with sand, right? Yeah. So we started with sand, yeah. Sand is like a, it's quite an interesting thing actually, because it's one of those, so it's one of those books where you have, where you have a non-human force as the kind of constituting thing, I think, which is, well, I don't think that's clearly what it's doing. Um, <laughs> Wait, that sounds so arrogant. Let's try that again. Um, <laughs> oh no, there's going to be there's too much cutting in this already. <laughs> I think, yeah. So it's really interesting. Like the sand almost becomes a character. It it fulfills more than just a setting. It's doing things. It seems to be, if not operating with an agency, it is curtailing the agencies of all the other characters, and its qualities are so. So almost alien, and yet they're surrounded by it. And I think it's a, uh, it's it's one of those yeah fascinating things about material, um, which you rarely come across, already come across executed so well and interestingly. I think. Mm. So the 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 novel itself <laughs> is, in a way, posited as a sort of I, I sort of introduced it almost as a folk horror tale, mm. which it kind of has that that vibe of of something like almost the wicker man of this sort mm. of outsider comes in and in a strange situation. I, um, but it is also in theory, like a, a gripping escape novel <laughs> um, and many more things beside that. Um, I mean, they put it quite nicely on the back of the cover. Uh, combines the essence of myth, suspense and the existential novel. Mm. So I do, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a mixture of the whole folk horror mythic aspect as well as, you know, the great sort of heist escape and how does he make the contraptions in order to, you know. That's curious because I just read it as like, okay, so this is Kafka then, right? And I was just like the entire time, like this is a piece of, like, like this is like literary fiction yeah. in that vein. So I never actually got it as a kind of genre thing. So I think that's... I think um, my impression, very cursory impression from reading about about him, is that he he's, he does take from 
right. some genre fiction. He even wrote, like, he wrote some science fiction. I think mm. he's written some almost like detective-like novels. So I think it's in there. But Kafka is also like yeah. super in there. Mm. I think, and I think that's a really interesting uh, comparison point. But I don't want to get I'll too stuck into that too early on. <laughs> okay. I guess we can we maybe talk a little bit more about sand. Yes. Does anyone else have <laughs> thoughts thoughts on the sand in it? Let me start you off with a great quote about sand. I don't like sand. It's all coarse and rough and irritating, and it gets everywhere. <laughs> Star Wars, yeah. <laughs> One G Lucas. Um, yeah. So, so um, the sort of narrative is that we have a protagonist who is a sort of slightly misanthropic school teacher who goes on this sabbatical on this little short holiday um, to the seaside because he's also an amateur entomologist and he's decided that the sand, because of its curious properties, which he's very interested in, is mm. the, the perfect place to find a, a rare specimen that he can give his name to. Mm. So it sort of starts off with this disaffected guy who wants to put his name on something and mm. has studied this thing very hard. And immediately is is sort of trapped by it. So I think there's definitely <laughs> some... <laughs> um, I'd forgotten that he was interested in sand before he went. And I think that's, yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's a, it's a continuous part, right? Mm. I think I think you can trace that throughout. I mean, I don't... Mm. I, I can already tell we're not going to take this in a very sequential way. So <laughs> the, the sand is there at each part. So he starts out by studying it, by finding it as the place where he's going to... Mm. Uh, he's going to find this... this, uh, this Beetle. Beetle, yeah, that he's going to give his name to and not become famous, but just have a reason to exist, it oh. seems, basically. Entomologist famous, I guess. Yeah, yeah. entomologist famous. <laughs> um, have have his name on something. Mm. And we later do find out that he sort of wants to be a writer, and I think those things are connected. Um, this is the thing that he's trapped by, and he realizes he hasn't quite understood. And as he is... Plotting his escape, it's also him learning about sand. It's also him learning about the companion, the woman. I think we're talking a lot about sand, but we <laughs> should probably be very quickly talking about the woman in the sand. Because <laughs> the novel, I think, is called, like, the literal translation is The Sand Woman or, or something mm. like that. Oh, okay. um, so we do have to get to that <laughs> part there. It would be very odd if we didn't. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but interestingly, uh, by the end of it, he does have a direct conversation mm. kind of with the sand. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, that a conversation with the sand? Well, it's, it's a conversation no with no Yeah, exactly. No one else is there. It's more or less as if it were. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, the woman, of course. This is a, 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 it's a problematic book, <laughs> to say the least. It's putting it's it mildly. Well, a, 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 okay. So, a, yeah. yeah. Let's let's give some context for that. Yeah. Okay. So we never we're never really told what the woman is called, are we? She's no. just referenced as mm -hmm. the woman. Mm. It is her main distinguishing feature within the sand pit, though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I think in the story we have the woman and the other woman. Mm. Mm. And at the very mm. end, the mother is named. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but okay. other than that, we have no named people really. Yeah. No. Even other, our, other than the main character, whose I, name I think is given in the start. His name is given halfway through when yeah. he's imagining um, the police report. 
and his name is Junpei Nikki. Yeah. And that's the only time we really find out. I think it might be mentioned twice, maybe in total. And yeah. uh, I don't think we have any other named characters. Yeah, the rest yes, of yeah, the, the actual police report at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I I mean, I guess the, it's weird because it's one of those things where like in the vein of these kind of Kafka style books, there's characters are standing in for sort for some kinds of archetypes. That being said, it's it's always a bit risky when you do that. <laughs> um, I mean, I think so. What's happening is we're going. It's like an existential situation we're being given. Like he's trapped by a pointless task mm-hmm. that will that he has to do to survive. I don't think we've actually made clear. Oh what the shit! No. Task is. Yeah, uh, I've, I've, yeah. I, and I take total responsibility <laughs> in uh, in not making this very clear from the start. Um, the reason the man is in the hole to begin with, the reason he's been trapped there, is because his sole reason for being there is to dig up sand. The holes, the, the the hole in the sand is part of an immense sand dune which threatens to eat up the entire village. And the villagers have come up with an efficient way of dealing with this <laughs> by trapping people in uh, in some of the houses that have already been half eaten up and basically digging holes so that they will uh, not, so, so the rest of the village won't also be, be eaten by sand. Yep. So this is his task. And it is also obviously the task of the the woman that he's with, who's already who's clearly been there for a long time and has lost her son and her husband to the sand previously. Sandstorm. Yes. Yeah. 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 Apparently. Apparently. Yeah. Mm. So the, yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so uh, and so of course when he arrives, she's uh, initially seems very excited because very simply she needs someone else to help. <laughs> uh, to get the sand uh, so far it's only been her and um and so the the initial sort of relationship is that he he sees her as uh compl- you know his captor basically and uh, i think that changes a little bit throughout the novel but that's that's sort of how she's presented initially as, as mm. one of the people who's trying to trick him yeah the question is whether he's really very much tricked at all or whether he more or less goes yeah goes into it without thinking which is another kafkaesque sort of yeah part of it yeah the depth of the trick was pulling up the ladder so it's uh, as tricks go <laughs> <laughs> not the most not the most ingenious mm. but effective so you have this story where a man is in a situation he doesn't want to be in forced into a heterosexual relationship he doesn't want he wouldn't have chosen and he seems like he can't escape that that's like the existential frame of the Mm. of the thing and he so his relationship with the woman is shifting again from antagonistic to kind of lovers ish ish well they have sex that much we can say with varying (laughs) degrees of mutual enthusiasm (laughs) Yeah, um, and then there's a, yeah, it's hard because like you, you, like so much of their interaction is based on her either withholding information or deciding not to be like come with like things that would agitate or be pointless to say, and him being frustrated and bashing around, and then that playing out in different variations, and then her taking care of him, being glad for the company, being annoyed by him, 
being like literally harassed by him being like kind of tied up and left in a like so it's really hard because like there's a big arc to this but like mm. the actual it's all minutiae it's all these tiny little interactions through the whole thing and they're usually like very one-sided conversations or it's a yeah it's a curiously i don't know I, I can't take it as anything other than like a very cynical take on relationships i wouldn't necessarily call it a relationship i mean not mm. a traditional romantic relationship no i think it but yeah i think that in actuality no but i think that it's functioning like that in the essential metaphor of the thing maybe i have a few things to say yeah. about <laughs> way women ahead. are being described oh my god um so at one point he describes her as a stupid creature whose merit was that she clung to her round trip ticket like him and there's this whole thing about the round trip ticket i don't know if you noticed that yeah the round trip versus the one way yeah 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 so yeah shall we yeah Elaborate. explain that yeah, yeah. <laughs> So the round trick, so he's, uh, it, uh, one of the chapters begins with some like opening lights from a, a song presumably called like a one way. The round trip ticket blues, which is described as the song of mankind imprisoned. Mm -hmm. And the reason they're in prison, I mean, the, so the, he has this concept of a, a one way ticket and the round trip, where the round trip is this hope that you'll, is sort of hope that you're going to get back. You're going to go somewhere and get back to safety and the one-way ticket. And he, he the, the people that he sort of associates with the one-way ticket, he talks about nomads. And that's the sort of, they, the people who sort of accept the sort of the one-way, the impermanence, the, the fact that they're not going to come back to anything. And the round, yeah, the round trip is sort of, him escaping. He's come, he's in a very sort of also literal version. He's got a ticket on a train or a bus mm. to get there and he's got also a ticket back. And that's sort of his, the, the thing that he's sort of focusing on. And I think we get the sense, well, from his point of view, she is sort of described as very docile and submissive, mm. um, at least until towards the end of the mm. novel. Mm. Um, and we get the sense that she does not want to leave um the hole as it's mm -hmm. described i think <laughs> or she doesn't have a wish to know what's on the other side she would be fine if she got a radio which she does at one point but other than that she doesn't seem interested mm -hmm. in life outside of whereas he is continuously struggling mm -hmm. with this feeling of being trapped and knowing what's on the other side and wanting to escape but also having this complicated relationship with the woman and she ends up being the thing that makes his existence bearable in yeah. some sense um and maybe also the reason why he chooses to stay or not to stay mm. the ending is slightly ambiguous yeah but could you elaborate more about like the like the problems of this aside um, from the, uh, the the was it the stupid creature of, yeah, yeah well yeah. He, there are several yeah. um descriptions of her yeah. where he compares her to an animal mm. or an insect but not in a very positive way. Yeah, because he could have done that. He could have, because he loves insects. He loves insects. <laughs> He's crazy about them. Yeah. And we do get other descriptions of insects that I found very interesting. They were very detailed and I got mm. excited about insects, which I don't usually do. Um, <laughs> um, but with her, I mean, the, at one point, um, he describes her as an animal-like woman thinking only in terms of today 
no yesterday, no mm. tomorrow. Mm. Um, so it feels like he doesn't view her as a yeah. like an individual in some sense. Yeah. Like at some point, she just becomes part of um, this world mm. that he's trapped in the sand, yeah. um, the tedious work. Yeah, I think the I, routines. It mm. was like. Yeah, very much. The I mean, the difficulty I had was like, okay, so this is definitely one of your like existentialist novel type things in the vein of your Kafka's and your Camus, and um, and then the, the, what this really underlines is like it's existentialism for men, guys. It's like yeah. it's like a, oh yeah, and oh, yes. and everything and everything else is then other, and it's like and it's it's, it's hard because you go like, okay, I'm gonna try and like read this while disentangling all of this like really ingrained sort of sexism and this weird othering of people in that within that kind of script but then you think like have i so what have i gleaned once i've done that like what is the existential message that's left once i disentangle all of this kind of anxiety about this other which is um sort of incomprehensible and unfathomable and is you know like part of the world that I'm not. So yeah, that is a that is a difficult thing with this book to get through. To mm, read through and yeah. I think with the title being The Woman in the Dunes, I yeah. expected a much more fleshed out character of the woman. Yeah. Um, she comes across as slightly, I don't know, dull and not one dimensional, but she, I mean, I expected something else. And then there's the whole thing about spiritual rape. Oh yes, mm. the spiritual which rape. Which I really... Yeah. I, d- I didn't even understand. A... I have to say, yeah. I didn't even quite... There's a description. Yeah, yeah no, I, I remember, yeah, yeah. but I didn't... It, it yeah. wasn't a hard passage to get through. Yeah, so spiritual rape is described on page 20 um, as what well, it says here. Spiritual rape meant that before he could hurt her, he would have to hurt himself. And then later in the book, it says, one admits of spiritual rape as a necessary evil. Anyway, without there would be no, almost no marriages. So it's sort of yeah, mm. yeah. But what do I, what does he mean by that? And by he uh, also, I think. I yeah. Sorry. No, no. Go ahead. Um. So this is how I understood it. There are several passages in the books where we sort of get the sense that he's sort of contemplating whether he should rape her or not, and he keeps having this um, sort of. I don't know, discussion with himself where he admits that if he allows himself to rape her, he will also have to accept the consequences of the villagers. Mm. Um, And that's how I sort of Mm. understood it. So he's trying to deal with his own conscience of doing it and the consequences Mm. more than the effects it would have on her. Also naming it spiritual rape, but also it seems sort of implied that she doesn't, you know, explicitly consent But it's implied that she, you know, enjoys it and sort of, Mm. you know, Mm. wants it in a certain sense. So the spiritual rape, it's not just, it's not necessarily just black and white Mm. physical assault. No. Um, No. But in a sense, it, it is hurtful to both parties because he feels like he's forcing himself on her. And she, you know, having already had a husband and a daughter and, you know, just sort of being thrust into this companionship, I guess, which she is... Mostly happy for mm. because she have, has a, has a second pair of hands to help yeah. out, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, actually someone to keep her company, it still sort of seems harmful to both parties that there is this sort of sexual tension. Mm-hmm. Um, I also found it interesting that there's so much about them cleaning each other. Yeah. Yes, and, and there's uh, a lot about skin. Yeah. skin. There's a lot about yeah. skin yeah. and sand clinging to skin and the sort of necessary mm. thing of 
sort of soaping each other off and mm. washing each other, which does seem to go both ways, which I found mm. quite interesting since mm. he sort of, you know, makes us so much just a part yeah. of the village. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. But there's still this sort of uh, back and forth of cleaning each other off and sort of in that way, I think, uh, supporting yeah. one another. Yeah. However yeah. much <laughs> they actually want to do you that. Know, you know what reminds yeah. me, because in terms of the Kafkaesque, mm. What reminds me so much of Kafka is that the protagonists in Kafka are also absolute mm. pieces of shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you forget. Yeah. I, I forget that, and then I re reread it about earlier this year, and I kept like, "Wow, they are all yeah. immensely <laughs> annoying dudes <laughs> who, when they ask yeah. questions, people answer them, and they just say, yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah. Let, let's forget about that. Let's let's go back to me.' Yeah, yeah. And it is very much so. He's a complete." piece of shit yeah. and I think I don't I'm not sure that the I think the reason is I enjoyed it was because mm. he is a I don't think it tries to defend him mm. at all and I'm not sure yeah so that there's a yeah. there's a point of that he is in general if you mm. if you look at like where he starts off mm. I mean I, I I quoted something at the beginning but the that that sort of part begins that sort of paragraph begins with him sinking into a quote, an unbearable self aversion with the thought that amongst the glum and gray people other than he had colors other than gray, blue, green, and red. Mm. So like it is physiologically like painful to him mm -hmm. to imagine like other people's agency, <laughs> other people's personalities. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is like a fundamental part of mm. his life. And it's one of the reasons that people, I think that people are referred to, just as the woman, the other woman. We have a mm. Mobius man, which... Yeah, which is not a real name. Maybe we can get to, but <laughs> yeah. not. But, yeah. um, but it also functions as a plot point. The mm -hmm. This thing where he just very clearly doesn't attach agency to other people. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, basically yeah. alienates his colleagues and alienates his other woman, mm. uh, his wife. And, you know, it becomes a plot point in the whole you know, he's trapped and can't escape. And he constantly says, you know, people will be looking for me. But yeah. deep down, he knows that it really won't because he very clearly made sure that no one's really going to want to be looking for him. Yeah, you know what that really reminded me of? Have you guys seen the 127 Hours? No, but I no? know the film. You yeah. know the film? Though? Is that the one about the man who gets trapped and has to... Exactly. Yeah, they're like, cut off. off his... Oh, yeah. yeah. Exactly. That, that but there's a, there's, um, <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. It's a good film, I think. I don't know, I might have been high when I watched it. But um, there's a really good moment in that when he when he gets trapped and he's trying to think, you know, and it, it, it's it's a fairly similar sort of thought process to think where he's thinking, how am I going to get free? And then it's not working. So he thinks, okay, people are going to find me. And then he thinks, I think he's trying to find a particular implement that he normally has with him. And he remembers, no, I left it in the shop where I work or something. And then he remembers... I didn't tell anyone I was going here and I didn't do this. And it's exact, it's, it's yeah. sort of, oh shit, I placed myself in the exact, exact yeah. situation, which I think is sort yeah. of, it's the point that the, um, the, the, the sort of our protagonist gets mm. to here as well. Yeah. But then obviously there's a little bit of a difference in the sort of ending of these two yeah. and the sort of second half is a little bit different. Yeah. So it's not a sort of positive, okay, I'll cut off my arm to save myself, mm. but it's, or maybe it is. I don't know. We can we can debate <laughs> that. Maybe it is the same. <laughs> um, but I should say, yeah. I mean, I 
this is mm. definitely uh, I remember so, as soon as you mentioned like you're not is it true Joe to say you I don't think you enjoyed this was not an not enjoyable one bit read. I felt like uh, the main character I tried to stay hopeful but I kept being disappointed yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. it was a bit of, yeah I, I'd definitely say yeah if you're if you're looking for like sympathetic people you're going to have a hard time with this book. I right? wasn't necessarily hoping for that, but I just, it, oh, there was just something about it. I mean. Mm. You touched on skin earlier. And I think mm -hmm. for me, one of the most interesting things about this, and I think that's a little bit, maybe a little bit of a contrast to yep. the sort of existential part, the mm. Kafka part, is that it is so concerned with like smells and tastes mm. and grit yeah. and bodies yeah. and like, just, uh, I mean, I, that, that's one of the things I wanted to underline a little bit in that, that introduction when he talks about foaming beaches with the lead and scum of dead yeah. fish. That's like what he's thinking about all yeah. the time. This is incredible. Like being on the sand is painful and the sand gets everywhere. Mm. It's it's a, sort of this disgusting mm. thumb, this, this sort of foam in his yeah. mouth, this scum that's everywhere. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, and as you point out at the beginning, like it's mm. about sand, it's like maybe the it's it's the sort of inanimate parts of these bits that really are are sort of outside of our normal mm -hmm. discussions of character that are maybe the interesting parts to this i think also structurally like it's like because it's so much about where sand gets into mm -hmm. and it had actually gotten into his life before he went to yeah. the thing it was already it was already there it's mm -hmm. like kind of drawing him in and it has this I think, yeah, again, the, the attention being paid to how much cleaning one has to do to a body when you're surrounded by so much sand really then highlights the contrast or like the radical difference between these different material forms or forms of organization of li like life and non-life and the radical difference between them and yet the imposition on each other. Um, Can and, I read a quote from yeah. page 90? Because yes. it says... Um, they say the level of civilization is proportionate to the degree of cleanliness of the skin. So, oh, yes. I have a good follow-up to that one. Yeah, bring <laughs> yeah, it. That's on page 122. So he's thinking about water. These musings on water led him to realize that dirty skin had thousands and thousands of suction cups. Skin was coolly transparent like ice, a soft, down-like bandage for the soul. If we waited for an instant longer, the skin of his whole body would rot away and peel off. Off what would it be peeling? <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that's maybe the yeah again like drawing that distinction as you were doing before, but like with Kafka, like Kafka is very concerned with like the sort of underlying ontological condition, and where this is more like like how fragile you are existing. You're so <laughs> you're so you want it. You want water all the time. Yeah, you want food occasionally. You want to not be covered in sand. Like it's it's you know you want companionship in some way, <laughs> yeah. It's 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 very focused on these kind of like, on these mundanities rather than yeah, and yeah. and because of that, then the companionship part is really mainly yeah. is almost predominantly kind of about bodies, mm. and this is why it doesn't feel this is why it's not really a relationship, or if it is, it's a relationship of bodies at most. Yeah, and it's practical. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's I think survival. That's right. Also, what was interesting that they he constantly goes into the sort of uh, musings or these ideas that he has and wants to sort of ruminate on, but the physical aspect of a situation constantly draws him back to what he actually mm -hmm. needs to do. He needs to shovel sand to get water. Mm -hmm. He needs to, you know, let the woman clean him off. He needs to sort of 
you know, help her as well mm. so that his companionship that he also needs yeah. is sort of kept up, which I found quite nice because some of the ideas that he goes into just feel like sort of a pile of schlep a lot of time. <laughs> like a lot of his ideas are very annoying, um, yeah. which yeah. comes back to, you know, piece of shit, the uh, <laughs> main character thing. But yeah. I found it very interesting that it constantly, you know, sort of chains him back into his body and constantly mm. reminds him of his actual reality instead of just letting him hyper-focus on these ideas mm. that he's very clearly, uh, as you can tell from mm. the whole flashbacks with the Mobius dude, he's mm. very clearly hyper-fixated on these ideas mm. and, you know, the functions of sand and, yeah, the f yeah. you know, the ideas of how beetles are and everything. But he's constantly drawn back into this is what it actually mm. is. This is how you actually, you know, need to deal with your situation. Yeah. I thought that was a quite an interesting uh, dichotomy, I guess, mm. to sort of place mm. upon him, that he has all these ideas that he wants to write yeah. about, but he constantly is chained or yeah. imprisoned back into his actual body yeah. and needs to deal with that first and foremost. And I feel like you, you, you find the um, the narrator kind of oscillating between those positions as well. Like it sometimes becomes a very close third person and sometimes it becomes a very judgmental, like zoomed out third person. And I guess this is like, you know, if you wanted to go autobiographical, which maybe you shouldn't, but like the, the you know, it's, it's, it must be some sort of, internal monologue of the writer <laughs> guy going, you fucking waste yeah, of space. Well, you, you know, you've got quite an interesting point. Ah, you fuck. Yeah. And it's like that, That it does um, strike me as, yeah, quite relatable in terms of internal monologue and your own distancing and, uh, yeah, but we don't yeah. need to diagnose that. It's sort, of the, it's sort of the tension between do I work so I can liberate myself so I can think these thoughts or is work freeing me from these thoughts to some degree <laughs> there's a there's a there's a moment uh when he's recounting his he, so some parts of it get a little bit dreamlike and he's going back to mm. sort of his life outside and this is where the mobius man mm. comes in and the mobius man at some point it's someone he gravitates towards because he, he seems to listen to him yeah and not like pass too much judgment. And the Mobius man takes him to some uh, some meeting, mm. where there's some man talking about uh, some lecturer, uh, and he's saying uh, the only way to go beyond work is through work. It is not that work itself is valuable. We surmount work by work. The real value of work lies in the strength of self denial. <laughs> he heard the sharp signals of someone whistling us through his win his fingers. And then there were carefree shouts and people running, dragging the basket. So basically, the, at that moment, like the people in the room who are like catcalling the guy, telling them that they should work as self-denial, yeah. merge into the actual world, the actual present mm. of the villagers whistling to uh, pick up the, the bags and these things are sort of merging into each other. <laughs> Which is a very nice, like, I guess, sensation, well, description of the sensation of dreaming where you get that, illusion of um phenomenon as i you know frequently try and like get better at guitar scale so the car brakes will work and it's never <laughs> never works <laughs> i think i just was um flicking through just now and i um came across a thing which i'd uh pulled a page on and um did he bring potassium potassium cyanide with him yes yes yeah. he did was that in the beginning which i did he have that with him like it's what? what it's what i think it's what he preserves oh yeah. right right right, right. Yeah. and then it 
takes a sort of more sinister <laughs> purpose. <laughs> okay, good. I forgot that it would. I, I thought it would like uh, had to pass by, but yeah, it does seem to shift. Yeah. No, he, yeah, he, like a... he brought it with him to preserve mm. the beetles, and then later he consciously digs it down to sort of save it for later, hopefully. <laughs> oh, not hopefully, but save, you know. save it for the latest possible yeah. last resort. Yeah. Okay, sorry, but I'm just interrupting with you. No, no, it's a good point though, but it, it sort of illustrates oh. that he goes through a lot of different but also that strategies he, and ideas, right? Maybe this does move on to something good. Like he always has a way out and he never takes it. He always has, a, he, and I think that's like, like it has that kind of, I think unavoidably it works in this metaphorical register the whole time. And I think it's, it's, it's there's, yeah, I don't know what to, what to make of that because I, I don't know how well it holds up but also it definitely is doing that. And so it is the kind of Camus thing that you always have the option of killing yourself, so why don't you? And this is the situation you're finding yourself in, which is this pointless repetition in order to survive. Um, and within that, the relationships are perhaps fleeting pleasure, lots of pain and discomfort and guilt, but mostly but brought on by your own, by your own worthless self. Yeah. yeah, but he always, and he, so he always has this option of uh, getting out of the hole free, as it were, and he doesn't take it. And I don't know, is that an affirming part of this uh, this metaphor? Or is that a... I think then in terms of the specific character, his escape is only interesting to him when it is one of his hyperfixations, mm. when it's something he can sort of figure out or game or calculate. Right. So yeah. I, I don't know if it works metaphorically, uh, but in terms of the specific character, he's, he's definitely only interested in the escape when it's something that he himself can sort of orchestrate and mm. ruminate upon and plan and but I'm, I'm talking about the escape being suicide. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but like the only But this is the yeah. suicide part is also yeah. only yeah. interesting to him when, when he's it, it when and, he can like, yeah. you know, fixate on, you know, I'm hiding it and this is my little plan and everything. <laughs> uh, so so everything <laughs> find me dead. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Everything only seems to be interesting to him mm. if it's something that he feels like he's gaining something from. Right. Like uh, the the whole thing with throwing the rope and the shears and everything is only interesting to him because he can calculate mm. how he can precisely throw it so that it catches the sandbag and everything. Uh, and I think that's ultimately what dooms him also mm. is the fixation on the uh, yeah. water that pools yeah. up in his little bucket. It's only with an elaborate system of crows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should talk about crows as well. <laughs> but why don't we? Why don't we focus on this part a second? The because there is an escape moment. Yes. So he has a he has a plan mm. with some she involving some shears and some rope. <laughs> I think it's interesting that part of the rope comes from the kimono of the woman's dead husband. Mm. Um, oh. So there, there's some of that going on as well. Uh, <laughs> and he manages to hook this thing, and he gets out of the hole. And he has a very elaborate strategy of where he's going to hide. And and during this entire time that he's running away, he's, his mind seems to drift a lot from his plan. Yeah. Yeah, it's super frustrating. And suddenly, <laughs> and suddenly he's thinking about the woman and he's thinking about getting her a radio. When he gets to freedom, he's going to send her a radio. Mm. And... Of course, as of course, it doesn't succeed. Mm. The plan doesn't. He gets he gets pretty far, and then at the last moment, he's sort of he Foiled falls into by some. Sand. Yeah, ex yes, <laughs> very good point. Foiled by sand again. He's in some. It's quicksand, right? That he's in. It's quicksand. Yeah, and there's a description when he falls into the quicksand, and gets stuck, where it says the change in the sand cor corresponded 
to a change in himself. Perhaps along with the water on the sand, he had found a new self. So there's this sense of weird yeah. acceptance and almost like a rebirth, like the villagers are coming and they're trying to pull him out and he's like, I don't care anymore. Yeah. He just... Mm. And, and also, I guess, then we're getting this this notion that he found himself in a situation that he did not, he thought that he did not want to be in. And it's almost like the sand has infested and changed the thing that he is. So yes. like, is he now the same person that didn't want to be there? Um, and I guess that's also the thing, which is like him fixating back on the woman in the sandpit. I guess that has this larger point about the adaptability of a person to their situation and the instability of themselves as themselves. Mm. Yeah. They actually point this out already on page 15. Oh, uh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, they say, uh, yet was a stationary condition absolutely indispensable for existence. And then further down, it says, while he mused on the effect of the flowing sands, he was seized from time to time by hallucinations in which he himself began to move with the flow. Hmm. And it continues on page 90. Eight, the fundamental nature of sand is very difficult to grasp when you think of it in its stationary state. Literally. Sand not only flows, but it is the but it is but this very flow is the sand. Oh done, Abe the Deleuzean. That's fair. That's uh yeah. that is that is super Deleuze. Yeah? yeah. Oh you'd like that. Yeah. Point. Sand. Well sand's pretty good. Oh yeah, it flows, they're lovely. Um Yeah, but I think what we're getting here is that despite having this metaphorical vibe mm. this allegorical vibe there are a lot of weird strands and registers going on yeah that don't necessarily allow it to completely cohere into that yeah yeah and i, and I wonder actually like reading it because i was also thinking that the um text is actually quite flat in lots of ways like there's not yes. a lot of like it's it reads really translated mm -hmm. and, yeah that's true and and i feel like i'm reading this and like i think there is so much missing from my reading of this no, no shade meant to be cast, I guess it's super hard, but... <laughs> well, translation is what it is, right? Yeah, translation is, it is what it is, I guess, but it's... And I, and I just, I wonder what what this book actually does, um, or what the book that this is based on actually does. Because uh, I feel like there's also, like, there, there's simultaneously this flatness, which isn't, which isn't quite pointing at the thing. But also I think, like, there's a... Like, reading translations of languages which are closer to English, for me, I can usually, like, I can see roots. And I just feel like I can't see any root, any of the root in mm. this. I feel like I'm, I'm just completely being given a representation of it. Um, yeah, that's making always looking for the virtual book behind the app. <laughs> <laughs> Sue me. Uh, I've been reading too much, too much Deleuze and too much Ben Lerner. It'll do that to you. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I always, I, it saves so much time to read virtual books because <laughs> they don't exist and they're as long as you want them to be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and... You may have already read them. So yeah, so, so I'm wondering like, so I, so I wonder like, do I just run to the metaphorical level of it or thinking of it through that? Because when it comes at me in this form, it just seems like those things or like the person who's translated it has like gone for those reference points and like really hit them home. And that might be, again, no shade intended. This is, this is seeming very cruel. I uh, think um, watching the movie mm. that's made with the screenplay also by Kobo Abe, and uh, it's made only a couple of years after the book was published, I think, uh, like in the mid-60s. I think it, 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 it seems like the books, like even though it is a very clear translation, mm. it seems like it catches, you know, sort of what 
the movie also catches. Yeah. Uh, and I watched the movie with Danish subtitles <laughs> in Japanese. <laughs> so, you know, we've gone through a couple of a couple of language <laughs> languages. Yeah. And media. In the, right? yeah, yeah, and yeah, media yeah. as well, yeah. So um, watching the Japanese movie with Danish subtitles also brought out the fact that, you know, like I, th I think I think the translation sort of catches the essence, okay. at least in a sense, because yeah. the the movie is also very bare, if you can call yeah. it that, like sort of just there, I guess, mm. and not really going too deep mm. into much of anything. Oh well, yeah, not going to like people's yeah personalities. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, but again, I, I think mm. the texture is in the things. It's mm. not yeah, really definitely. Yeah. The yeah. movie makes the woman a bit more. Uh, agreeable, <laughs> I guess. Uh, she's presented as a lot more attractive uh, mm. than she's presented in the book, which I think makes sense for movies mm. because we like seeing things that look nice. Um, but speak other... for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoy looking at I things go that look nice. Home and look at a trash pile. And go, <laughs> I don't like that. No. Well, you know. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it 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 seems like uh, the the screenplay in the book sort of cover the same sort of cynical mm. base mm. ideas at least yeah the other yeah. the other layer to this because i still maintain there are several <laughs> um the, uh, the other layer to this i mean if you want to talk about um existentialism again mm. is that the other part of existentialism is uh, an emphasis on responsibility and responsibility is something that keeps up coming mm. again and again, mm. mainly as a disavowal of responsibility. Mm. The protagonist isn't responsible for how the woman feels. Uh, the villagers aren't responsible for how he feels. The like, you know, there's a lot mm. of talk about, about that. And the turn that comes um, just after he's captured again, I think, he's talking about you know, he's sort of complaining about the injustice of it. And he's complaining about the injustice of it and talking about the uselessness of the sand. And at that point, it's brought up that the sand isn't completely useless. The sand has actually been used for cement. It's been sort of... Sold. It's sold on the black market yeah, Because it's for not cement. good sand. Exactly, it's not yeah. good sand. And at that point, he objects. Well, that's that's terrible. You know, <laughs> think of the buildings that are going to fall, yeah. and the dams that are going to break, yeah. and the reaction. And this is, I think, I don't know if this is the first or maybe it's the second time that we have the woman actually push back. Mm. Yeah. And that's the moment when she says, "Like, why should I care about those people?" Mm. And this is where we get, the, and that's the sort of reversal mm. moment, right? Where mm. suddenly it's brought into the to the to the fore to the foreground we have the fact that this is a poor village that's been destroyed by something that is not reputed by the state to be a particularly important mm. factor so like sand destruction isn't something that the japanese state cares about mm. if it was about maybe some other kind they they might be more worried but they don't care about that so the villagers know that they won't be helped mm by this, that they're sort of in this position mm. and they are alone and um, that this is just there, that mm. they are doing what they can to survive. And to some degree, the there's a sort of revenge aspect mm. to it. They sort of realizes that actually he's, he's sort of part of a revenge against a wider, mm. uh, wider conspiracy against them, if, if you like. Or like a conspiracy of indifference. Yeah. And 
and that but then that is like the yeah the existential level of like the indifference being the condition of existence and uh <laughs> <laughs> you sound so weary uh, every time i get through a sentence of existentialism uh, <laughs> but it's it, yeah i think that's a curious thing i think that the notion that like to be to be so to be so sure of your distance from everything else is yeah, it's a, it's an interesting problematic, and I don't know what to. It does it go. It certainly goes to a place that lots of other novels in that kind of existentialist vein don't go, which is. It brings it down to something concrete, right? Yeah, it's because concrete, a lot of the time actually. you think of existentialism as this being. Oh, I'm very yeah. worried about myself, mm. because mm. it is very because existentialism mm. is kind of inherently very individualistic, mm. and so that I think that's the moment where it sort of yeah possibly goes a bit against that yeah and then it makes it kind of a twist on that theme um like one of the yeah like that, that is actually the conditions of it is that there's this wider world which is actually then indifferent to you and also like he realizes that you know no one has come looking for him mm. yeah no one has cared that he has disappeared his you know his school has probably already hired a replacement and the idea that he would then care about their bridge conditions is odd like no one yeah it's like and I think that's like it, it, it sort of it, it's uncomfortable because it sits with this uh, notion that you want to be like this kind of virtuous or a, like democratically minded human being or whatever that would be, and then you go, yeah, but if no one looks for you in the desert and the sand dunes, what do, should you know? It's it's quite a it's quite a confronting. It's quite a um, not entirely egotistical, but certainly mm. it's certainly uh, it's a troubling consideration. <laughs> Now I can't remember, so hopefully you guys can help me out. But is after this realization? Is it after this that he that we have the scene where he does attempt to rape the woman in front of the villagers as a to entertain them and hopefully to get uh, to be able to see the outside? Is that before or after? For is it before? Because I have I have the feeling that to some degree that turn sort of puts him on the villagers side almost mm. and that and that sort of that's what then spurs him on to kind of a comp start trying to accommodate them mm. and that's what brings him against the woman and suddenly oh, we yeah, discover yeah, yeah. and that yeah. and that shows you again that the woman is really kind of in between those stages mm. she is not she's not she's still separate so i'm not sure if i understood it correctly when i read it but the villagers give him the option of they they said they want to throw throw down the ladder so he can what look at the sea look at the sea just okay be, just so, so, so just go for a stroll so okay yeah. walk around if they can watch when he is having sex with the woman <laughs> okay because I wasn't sure if they were giving him the option of escape escape or not no, but okay no. so just like no, a small taste of freedom and then back in the hole yeah. it's much more pathetic yeah 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 exactly this this is his like. Yeah. Sort of the. I don't know if it's the lowest moment. It's not like he's ever been particularly like high, but like that's that's the lowest moment. The, it's, yeah. it's definitely the moment where it's most like cut and dry. Like also when then she like beats the shit out of him and he like, yeah loses, exactly lo then loses the esteem of the yeah. people encouraging yeah. him to be a rapist and it's like At the point she does beat the shit out of him yeah yeah and then so it's like a he's both like compromised himself for no fucking reason and lost in doing so and and you know at the end yeah. of the day like whatever you want to however you mm. want to frame that quote-unquote relationship she's somewhat of an ally mm. yeah it, it's sort of that that moment shows you i think that, that like that moment shows you that he's betrayed what was potentially 
some kind of allyship between someone who knows what's happening yes. and him refusing to understand it. Yeah. Mm. Because she's, yeah, again, she is also a prisoner who has understood the situation mm. or like uh, has a, it's sort of, she's understood, he thinks that she only sees inside that hole. But when she tells him about her not caring about the outside, it tells you that she has a vision, mm. a much wider vision. Mm. of what's happening and of the relationship between outside and inside and that to some degree that insight is much more realistic than his yeah mm. I, think I think it's also at that point where the whole spiritual rape thing sort of gets its I don't know comeuppance isn't the word but it's sort of where it becomes interesting because it goes to show how how much is he willing to sacrifice his sort of self and spirituality as he mm. calls it how much is he willing to sacrifice just to walk around for an hour? Yeah. yeah. And he's very clearly very willing to commit this harm to the woman, which as far mm. as he puts it in turn will also harm himself mm. just to, you know, get to stroll, mm. see the ocean, um, yeah. which is a very sort of, I, I would class it as the low point yeah. because <laughs> it, it really shows him yeah. from his most pathetic side. And he seems to be very aware of just how pathetic Mm. He ends up being, yeah. especially when he does get the shit, the shit beat out of him, which was very nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm. St I'm trying to. I'm still like because it's 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 such a fucking horrible term <laughs> that that sort of spiritual rape thing. I think yeah. it's connected to. He has. He can. He seems to connect it to the other woman. Mm. Mm. You don't know a lot about, but he just has some kind of shitty relationship, yeah. and. There is some discussion about using condoms or not. Wasn't she a prostitute? There's something yes. about venereal disease. Well, hard what? to, yeah. It At seems like it he's could with be a prostitute. Yeah. In this yeah. talk about yeah, and disease. and it seems like to yeah. some degree this is some like fake high mindedness on his side of like, oh, if I just have sex with you in a transactional state, it's sort of okay. But if <laughs> I if I fake my feelings for you. Then that I think it, it, that yeah. it's sort of that thing, as if he's someone who can understand his feelings enough to make that distinction. Doesn't he also <laughs> at one point sort of say that he has kind of a constant venereal disease? Yeah, that sort of <laughs> sticks around. Implied. Like mm. sort of, I like, kind of ended up reading it just a sort of okay. impotence-ish. But he, that. but he presented it as like a. a, a continuous venereal disease that sort of haunted him kind of felt that it was like this is his like relationship to sex in general it yeah was like he was yeah. kind of it's like it's that kind of thing which you it's just always frustrating when you read like inter intellectual men who are like disgusted by the fact that they actually have like bodies and it's just mm. yeah like well like just yeah it's the most tiresome thing it's just like <laughs> like oh no i had a high minded thought but then i looked at a woman walk past and i was distracted <laughs> for a moment it's like yeah like oh for fuck's sake just like be less don't be creepy and just enjoy yourself Jesus Christ! Yeah. <laughs> but do you, I mean, my my take on it was that he that the protagonist is explicitly being made fun of for this. But do you, mm. what do you think is that? I I don't know whether yeah, I'm just, I think so. Am I ever interpreting? Or I don't. I, I mean, it's hard to know. It, let's I say mean, let's but, make but, it this yeah. way. It's an easier read. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you think yeah. that he's explicitly being made fun yeah. on be, yeah. be, for being yeah. such a fucking dweeb, and I think also like. It, with these kinds of novels, it's clearly there's some. It's not as strong, but it's like a very weak kind of author surrogacy. So I think there's like uh, there's a self awareness to it. Mm. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think the 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 writer part is a sort of like mm. the, the, there's some point where he does 
is having a conversation with someone about whether he's a writer mm. or not. And that, that seems to be some yeah. sort of surrogacy, but it seemed like a very like... I mean, basically, like, like, that's what he's gonna, sarcastic almost. It's like that's what he's going to draw from from his ideas of what it is to be alive as a man. It's going to be like his own experience of that. It's not going to yeah. be the universal man. But but it seems like a knowledge. Like uh, again, it seems to. Mm. I, I don't take it. I don't. No, my strong, impression yeah. of this book is that it's not like a strong endorsement of like high intellectualism. No, but yeah. actually, kind of the opposite to yeah. some degree. Mm-hmm. Not in a like anti-intellectual, but of a like yeah. uh, materialist interest in like mm. <laughs> what actual bodies, yeah. actually yeah. sand, actual like material reality, yeah. and it's like some maybe symbolic repercussions. But there is something real that's like yeah. shaping those. Does anyone want to talk about the very ending? Just before we wrap up. Well, I think you've invited yourself. In that <laughs> um, what happens at the end? So he goes. He, so the woman goes to hospital because of uh, and she's pregnant. She's pregnant, and but she it's, has an extra uterine pregnancy. Yes. Yeah. And they leave the ladder, and he just decides to take a little stroll for a bit. Thinks he could run away, and doesn't. Or. And then we just get this police report. Well, let, let's put it this way. So the woman is pregnant. Mm. And when she is left, when she is taken away, the ladder is left mm. there. And yes, there, there's a sort of point about him sort of going up. But the, the, there's a point at which the ladder is left there because there is an implicit understanding now yeah. that he's, he's really trapped. "Quote unquote," whether however yeah. you want to take that, but like, yeah. presumably it's left there not as an after, not through forgetfulness, mm. but because now they know. Because the the point uh, to be made here is that mm. there are other holes in that mm. yes. village, and some of them have ropes, some of them have rope ladders permanently there. Mm. And he's saying, "Well, why is that?" And so there's some families who've been there a long time, and yeah. they go up and down. And to some degree, the understanding <laughs> is now he's one of those, yeah. which is mm. either the, the complete apex of yeah. being trapped, that he's accepted it or, or something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But I, I think it also uh, comes back to the whole idea that he just cannot get past the whole experiment idea because now he's figured out that the crow trap that he made actually brings up water yeah. And that it's much more clear than the water that they're given. <laughs> it's less, I think, metallic mm. is the word they use. Um, because he very obviously doesn't stay for the woman. He doesn't seem to be mm. very concerned with if she comes back or not. But he's more concerned with, at one point, he really wants to tell someone mm-hmm. about his discovery. Yeah. And it, it constantly brings him back to this, like, he wants to be seen for his sort yeah. of accomplishments. Yeah. Like, he wants to get his name in a yeah. Beetle book yeah. because he's an entomologist. <laughs> exactly. And he now now that he's become one of the villagers, he wants to show that he's found a way to yeah. get water that's better than, you know, yeah. the, the stuff that they're given. And I, I at least read that as the reason he decides to go back down. Yeah because he has this ongoing experiment and he feels like it would be a shame just <laughs> leave it because then no one would know that he made this amazing <laughs> discovery. Oh, he's very unsympathetic. Yeah. yeah. But I become it, his own trap. Exactly. <laughs> no, I, I, do, I do think it's a sort of a, a criticism of this whole idea of, you know, this need to mm. sort of assert yourself. 
as like I've done something yeah. instead mm. of just. Whereas in the sands of time, it'll all be washed away. <laughs> yeah, it's a.、Uh... Well, because what does he have? What? Because the other question is, what does he actually have on the outside?、Mm. Yeah. Fuck all. <laughs> An indifferent employer, former employer,、yeah. and、uh, apartment with eviction notices on it. A mother that doesn't realize he's gone until after what seven years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was not regularly coming home. Yeah. So we end up with this just this police report of his、uh, declared missingness.、Mm. We get the sense that he starts to enjoy domestic life. He wants to get a house plant or whatever it is. So he wants to plant something with the woman,、yeah. and they have their small routines. And he yeah, a, sort of he's got a crow trap. He's got a crow <laughs> trap. He's got. <laughs> <laughs> Might get some water、yeah. in the future、yeah. from the crow trap. Yeah, a, so、um, the crow trap is really the equivalent of the、uh, like the the, the because, suburban shed.、Really. Yeah. <laughs> because that's the thing. Because、yeah. it's it's going into winter, so the the trap is sort of stops drawing water at some point, and he's like, oh, I need to conduct a full experiment in the spring. That's、I、why he needs the. That's why he needs the radio. Yeah,、mm. uh, because、so、he wants the, the he wants the weather forecasts and everything. So the the reason he decides to stay is just because he wants to do a fucking science project. <laughs> It's the little things. So he, <laughs> he disappears in August, and the decision is filed in October. Oh no! But come on. The, 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 Seven years later, though, right? No, no. Doesn't well, he disappear in fifty five? Well, it doesn't tell you the. It doesn't tell you the year, does it? Yeah, it yeah. says. It says, it says in nineteen fifty five. He hasn't been heard from since nineteen fifty five, and the report is filed in sixty two. Well, she's not making fuss. Is a, this is this is the judgment. <laughs> it's the judgment. Yeah, yeah. They're both sixty two, though. Yeah, but it says something、yeah. about. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, but the judge, the notification of missing persons comes after the judgment. Yeah, yeah. But the, the, but, fi- the 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 disappearance August. But it also、mm-hmm. says the unassertionability of either the existence or the death of the person from August eighteenth, nineteen fifty-five, for seven years hence, having been recognised, the following decision has been handed down. But yeah, be, but that, that's that's just because after a certain amount of time, that's. Well, that's I don't. I don't think they have. Well, I mean, I mean, why, I, I why, think his、what? life is fucked. Seven,、anyway, seven years have passed yeah, yeah. in the end. Why is this non-chronological? What is this? <laughs> why are they anti-chronological? Because like once、um, February eighteenth,、oh, no, the, the, the notification, then, yeah, is 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 before the judgment, obviously, but then they're on the page in this weird way. Anyway,、mm. before we get into the legal formatting,、oh, I guess we could、uh, take a round of recommendations. I'm glad you've taken over that. Part Should I take、again. over this part that we get? Back in safe hands again. So, so、um, Joe, would you recommend the book? No. Do you care to elaborate? I mean, I'm not sure if it's the translation or what it is, but I didn't find the written language very enjoyable、mm-hmm. to read. As well as some of the, <laughs> the things happening in the book,、um, so I'm、things. sorry, but I wouldn't recommend it.、Yeah. I just it, I found it to be a bit boring and just not that interesting. But、um, fair enough. Interesting to talk about, yeah, but not that interesting to read. That is like most books.、Uh, is it? No, no, I wouldn't agree. Wouldn't agree.、Uh, Emma,、uh, I don't know if I would necessarily recommend the book. I would recommend the movie, however.、Uh, Because I don't know if if you're interested in film, it's a sort of staple of Japanese new wave,、mm. as I've understood, and it uses it sort of cuts out all of the inner monologue,、mm. which I found very 
dreary and dull <laughs> and annoying and sort of just presents everything yeah. in, in in his situation and yeah. doesn't really do the whole flashback thing. It doesn't give the backstory. And I think it makes for a more sort of compelling, um, more material story. Mm. And I don't know, the it's it's in black and white and it's a movie from 65 and it's got cool, you know, techniques and stuff. So <laughs> I'd, re- I'd recommend the movie. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend the book. I found it very tedious. Fantastic. Uh, Charlie. Fuck yeah, read the book. <laughs> Why? Would you like to elaborate on that? I, or you I say, mean, I, I think... Yeah. I, I, I'd like to think that the stuff we talked about was interesting enough that you'd want to read it, but if not, then I guess don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what am I, the fucking book police? <laughs> do it, don't do it. I thought it was... Charlie is actually the book, the book police. Um, I'll be issuing fines later. <laughs> Low key. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I, I think it is like, I mean, if I recommend Kafka, I probably to recommend this. And because they're doing a very, I think the core is the same kind of thing. Um, this, I think, does do, as you were saying before, more interesting things with materiality. Like it's more, con- and I think that's a, a thing which is important to highlight um, in the distinction. Um, and I think that as a book about uh, non-human things impinging on human beings. Um, it's a good example of that. And I think that's a pretty good topic like this and also like the drowned world, which is a pretty similarly sexist book and also kind of racist that one as well. Oh, it's been a long time since I read that. It's really just remember schlock- crocodiles too many crocodiles. <laughs> yeah. And also, but they, that, that book's like all about water and it's, getting everywhere and the heat and you just really feel like this like sensation i think the way that sound works and this is also good and i think that those are it's an interesting case study in that so i think it's it's worth a read for those interested in uh material differences between living organisms and sand and (laughs) for those interested in the trend of like cynical existentialist explorations of suffering uh next time maybe gio will be back i think so yeah we'll see well, she's not here right now. Jesus. <laughs> I could text her, but we could all text. We could all text Geo Charlie. <laughs> no, I have the direct line off the red phone. Um, and we're going to be doing uh, the controversial novel, um, "The End of Alice" by A.M. Holmes, I believe. If we can get the copies in, there are only two available. So I will find it. But thanks now, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Bye.